Welcome to the Gospel-Centered Pro-Life Podcast, the podcast where we talk about pro-life issues in light of the gospel. In this episode, I'm going to share my testimony and how I got involved in the pro-life movement. Hope you're blessed as you listen. Stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome to the Gospel-Centered Pro-Life Podcast and video appreciate all of you who are watching and who are listening. The purpose of this podcast is to encourage you and to uh, just help those who are maybe getting new and in, in newly involved in the pro-life movement and those who are maybe a um, long time in the pro-life movement to help you um, talk about pro-life issues and think about pro-life issues in light of the gospel, to, to emphasize the point that pro-life and the issue of abortion is not a political issue, is a gospel issue. And so that's that's our heart, that's our desire for you to understand that. And we wanted to share in the past, uh, the, the previous podcast, we talked to Vicki and she just shared some of her testimony, how she came from being pro-choice to being pro-life and becoming a Christian. And uh, just wanted you guys to see our hearts, where we come from, and know, you know, we're just just like many of you, the Lord has done a work in our hearts to, to bring us to some of the... the conclusions and the callings that he's he's put in our lives and in this podcast we're going to share i'm going to share my testimony and vicky's going to ask me some probing questions <laughs> that hopefully spur um, some thought and some conversation and and spur you guys to uh to seek the lord and where he would have you to be involved in the, in the pro-life movement so with that yeah. vicky you just yeah. fire away well first of all who are you? Okay. What do you, what do you do right now in the pro-life movement? So currently, I am the executive director of Cities for Life here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, you know, we're locally, we're sidewalk counselors here, with a heart to reach the uh, abortion-minded women that are going into the abortion centers and offer them help and hope in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so that's my current role here. God has called me to ministry in this capacity full time, and my family. My wife, being a nurse, she does ultrasounds on board a mobile ultrasound unit with a partner ministry, Help Pregnancy Center, and she works in a couple of pregnancy centers. And as a family, we serve together on the sidewalks on Saturdays, and uh, and our kids are out there, um, you know, holding signs, and we're mm-hmm. all trying to reach the moms together. So uh, volunteering on the sidewalks, but executive director of Cities for Life also. Yeah, okay. So you look like, a, you know, a, one of these pro-life heroes and someone <laughs> who's really a kind of an important figure in, in the pro-life movement. And I'm wondering, um, you must have been pro-life your whole life, right? And <laughs> and, uh, and uh, been a strong proponent of, um, of life. Is, is that true? Is that where you started off? Um, well, not really. Um, sort of, I guess. Early in my life, my parents were, were believers. And I remember some of my you know, so I remember some conversations that my parents had about pro-life things, uh, and it really had to do with politics, really. Uh, they were Republicans, mm-hmm. and uh, they believed that you should vote for Republicans. Mm-hmm. And so there was some talk about that. Was that because of the pro-life stance of Republicans? or No, or? no, it was you know probably just in general. You know, right. far In that line of thought, it had to, a couple of factors had to do with being a Republican. It wasn't just pro-life, but pro-life and being pro-life was... Was part of that, but not really, you know, a major emphasis, I guess. And you know, as you're a kid and your parents have certain convictions, 
um, you pretty much just by default, I guess, jump on board with those convictions. And so their convictions were, were pro-life, you mm-hmm. know, generally and, and maybe nominally in some ways, uh, mainly politically, though, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but as I grew and, and came into my own, I guess you could, you could say, and, and really um, I never rejected God uh, as far as like, I never was an atheist. There's never a time where I didn't believe in God, but I really I didn't walk with God on in my high school years. And, you know, I began to embrace just the idea that, you know, it's a woman's right to choose to do what she wants to do with her body. And, you know, people are basically good, so people are going to do the right thing, even if mm-hmm. it maybe is, is something that others might not think is the right thing. And so I just kind of, I guess, kind of to that default position of, well, you know, I'm pro-choice, I guess, because it's not my body. Right. As I came into, you know, early adulthood, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. And did your did your parents ever have discussions about, you know, if you ever get a girl pregnant, <laughs> don't ever consider abortion? Or, you hmm. know, did, did you yeah. ever have any sorts of those discussions with friends or anyone? I don't know that I did, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't recall having those kind of discussions. I certainly don't recall having those discussions with my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I knew just because of their convictions and maybe just by, um, you know, the, the truth of God in me, even though I yeah. was not walking with the Lord, the Bible says the law of God is written on our hearts. Mm-hmm. I, I think I knew that abortion was wrong, and I think that I would know what their stance would be yeah. uh, if that happened. As a matter of fact, we'll probably talk about that a little bit. That actually mm-hmm. did happen as yeah. part of my testimony. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So now you were raised, um, Roe v. Wade was already, that had already been decided. Yeah, I'm, abortion, very, I'm very young. So, I, I can tell. So, you know. <laughs> so, so, uh, um, so you were raised, I mean, your entire life abortion was legal. Mm-hmm. And did, did you ever, um, was there ever a, part, a point in your young life, um, before we get to, um, you know, maybe your later teenage years, where, where you thought, this isn't what should be? As far as the uh, abortion, yeah. Like it so here's the law of, of our. You're you're raised in a in a Christian home, um, and the law of the country is that it is legal to take the life of a little human being. Did that cause any angst or any, you know, um, crisis of faith or anything? You know. You know, I don't know that I really thought about um, the issue of abortion a whole lot mm-hmm. when I was younger. Although, yeah. and I do remember at one point, um, if I'm not mistaken. As I remember back, my mom was involved in some sort of political action thing to do with with pro-life stuff. Um, at one time, she was involved with um, Pat Robertson. I don't know yeah. if you know who he is, yeah. but yeah. he he very I think early in the early '80s, early mid '80s, and on into the '90s was a you know I think he ran for president at some mm-hmm. point, and he had a strong pro-life stance. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think she was in with some of that, maybe even in with his campaign, but I don't know that I thought it through. There's sort of like, a, in my mind, there's sort of a macro view of abortion, sort of a national view in this national conversation, I guess, and it's more political. Mm-hmm. And then there's sort of the micro view of abortion, like how it happens individually and how it affects individual lives. Right. And I think m- maybe my view, if any, was more of the macro mm-hmm. rather than the, the micro view right. in my young years yeah. and on into you know, early teens, I guess. Yeah, so you get into your teens, and you alluded to, so you um, you had a girlfriend, mm-hmm. Courtney, mm-hmm. At, the, at the time, and um, 
and things didn't go quite as you hoped yeah. with with that relationship. So, can you talk about what what happened there and yeah? And how you so, so we were um, high school sweethearts, mm-hmm. and uh, were introduced um, to to each other by a friend, and we kind of you know right away just I don't know if we fell in love or whatever you want to call it, but I mean I, I'd say we I did at least I'm mm-hmm. I hope she did, <laughs> but. Anyway, um, and of course we know, you know what's right and what's wrong, even though I wasn't a believer. I had been in church some, and my parents kind of fell away from going to church in my, you know, I guess tween years or whatever, maybe a little before that. And so as a as an early you know, adolescent and on into teenage years, believed in God, wasn't really exposed to a whole lot of church, so to speak, but I knew what was right and what was wrong. And so we began, you know, in the early part of our relationship, we began to do what we knew was wrong, have sex outside of marriage. That temptation was was there, mm-hmm. like it is with, with so many young people, right. for sure. Yeah. And I don't think there was a whole lot to discourage us from falling into that temptation. Though her parents, you're wonderful people, godly mm-hmm. people, went to church. Um, her her convictions were in line with their convictions until I come along and, <laughs> and pull her out of those convictions. Yeah. And we began to do the things that, that we knew were wrong. And mm-hmm. so um, in, in that season of, of our lives, um, really she walked away from the Lord and uh, I had really never given my life to the Lord. And, mm-hmm. and then we find out, you know, 17 years old, she's 16 years old, she's pregnant. And I remember, I remember the day that that was uh, that was revealed. She kept it hidden, and as a matter of fact, uh, you know, I, I shared with you a little bit yesterday as we talked through kind of my story mm-hmm. that I, I think she kept it hid, hidden from me. For it was one of the reasons because at that time I was a selfish little punk, yeah. <laughs> living for myself and yeah. didn't have a whole lot of concern. You know, I loved her or whatever, but it had no real desire to be a dad or to to start a family you know at 17 who who does yeah. but but really just partying and doing all that stuff mm-hmm. and I would have certainly in my sin and in my rebellion against God and the mentality that I embraced at that time that it was all about me I would have taken her to have an abortion yeah yeah um and you know she possibly could have succumbed to the pressure we see it on a daily basis That's almost right. at the abortion centers here in Charlotte where we see these young men who are scared, like I was. Yeah. You know, I was scared. I was selfish, too. Yeah. It was more about I was afraid of what was going to happen to me right. than I was what was going to happen to her right. or anything like that. Um, and, and fear oftentimes will drive us to do things we wouldn't otherwise do. So I could, I could see me taking her here to Latrobe, maybe, mm-hmm. um, at that time. And driven her right into that place. Yeah. Was it ever a discussion? Did you ever did when when you actually when she told you mm-hmm. that she was pregnant? Did did abortion ever enter the discussion? No, no, because at that point when it came out and it came out in sort of a, a weird way where we're sitting on the couch in her parents' living room, and we're you know just kind of shooting the breeze, sitting around, and, and her mom just kind of comes out and says, "So when are we going to stop denying reality? You're pregnant." <laughs> oh my! Yeah, really? Yeah. Wow. So her mom knew. Her mom mm-hmm. could tell. Yeah, and it was sort of like you know, I knew, and 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 it was almost like one of those uh, willful ignorance sort of things. If you don't you say know? it, it's if not you don't real. say it, it's not real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, right. really, when you're a young right. person, and that, and again, that's, that's how, from my perspective, I can speak to the young men who are going into the abortion sure. centers, and I can speak to young men about that pro-life issues because 
I know the fear that comes from having an unwanted pregnancy right. and, and being a dad yeah. at a young age. And, and so, you know, when that, come, when that came out and the way that it came out, um, the first person I blamed, which is really funny, and this is human propensity, I believe, yeah. is rather than blaming myself mm-hmm. or even blaming her, uh-huh. I blame God. That's he's the first person I blame because he could have stopped it, right? He's the exactly. creator of life, yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and it kind of takes me back as I look back. Mm-hmm. It kind of takes me back to a story in the Bible mm-hmm. of our first parents, Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. and how the Lord comes after you know the Lord had told Adam, "Don't eat of the tree or the fruit of this tree, or you'll surely die." Well, Adam falls into the temptation because of his wife Eve, and I'm not blaming uh, Courtney for this, but I am saying that. Who's the first person really that Adam blamed? Because he says, when the Lord comes and says, what have you, what have you done? You've, basically, you've eaten of this tree. And what does he say? He doesn't say, well, I'm sorry, I, I was responsible. He says, no, it was the woman that you gave me. That you gave, you gave me. me. So the accusation exactly. was not even against Eve. Right. The accusation was against the Lord. Exactly. And that's how it was for me. I, was, I remember like praying and saying, God, why did you allow this to happen? I remember saying, God hates me. Because the way God orchestrated this thing... He hates me, yeah. and uh, and it was uh, it was, and and that was my fear. This is the end of end of my world. This right. is the end of life right. for me. Yeah. So you're being all deflated as you're sitting here discovering she's pregnant. Did Courtney fess up right away? Or yeah, oh yeah. Okay. I mean, it was okay. obvious. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It was the elephant in the room, so <laughs> okay. to speak. All right. Okay. So your world falls apart. Courtney has had a little bit more time to mm-hmm. uh, to deal with it. So. Um, did you talk about marriage right away, or what was? Um, you know, I think right away the conversation was around the uh, around the baby, and okay. thankfully her parents were, you know, godly people yeah. who I don't know that abortion would ever even enter into their minds. I mean, I, okay. I, I don't I don't know that, and I, I certainly wouldn't wouldn't be accusatory if it did, but I, I would yeah. doubt that it ever even did. It was right away. What can we do? to make sure that Courtney is taken care of and make sure this baby is taken care of. And then, you know, later on there was some conversations and, and I did end up, you know, I knew what the right thing to do was, even not being a, a Christian at that point. Yeah. Sort of having a, you know, as the Bible says, I had a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So like I had this form of godliness. I read my Bible even. I read my Bible at that time almost on a daily basis, you wow. know. For whatever reason, yeah. I had a, actually a false conversion experience a little bit after, a couple of days after we found out she was pregnant. I remember just feeling the pressure of the circumstance and the guilt from it, but it was not guilt really that I felt that I had sinned against God. It was more that I had sinned against her parents. And so I went down front at a church service and you know, gave my life to Jesus. And I put that in quotes, not because that can't happen. Certainly someone can go down front and give their life to Jesus. But I, I, you know, even though I wept and cried, it was it was that worldly sorrow. I'd been caught in my mm. sin, mm. and I was not converted. My heart was not changed mm. because I continued to do the same things, to think the same way. Mm. Uh, but I did make a profession of faith that that was not real mm-hmm. at the time. I thought it was because I checked yeah. the box. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I did the stuff that I was told to do. But it really, again, it was it was a worldly sorrow. It was a, a brokenness over. I was caught in my sin rather than yeah. I had sinned against the Lord. Right. And I share that just because uh, it actually took, so from that time, so our daughter was born in, uh, in 98, 1998, and I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And it took from that time, from being 18 years old to 21 years old, 
in that three year or so period, the Lord working on my heart, just really showing me that to be the father that I'm supposed to be, mm-hmm. because you know, as parents, we have to make sacrifices sure. to, for our children. Yeah. And the parental role is actually a good way. It's in your testimony. It's kind of what the Lord used to bring you to Himself That's when right. your your first son was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, we understand the heart of the father mm-hmm. when we become parents, and we under, understand what it means to sacrifice and how He sacrificed and how He was forbearing with us and patient with us because mm-hmm. we got to be patient with our kids. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord, be in His patience, in His grace, for that that three year period, was really working on my heart and just showing me. You know what? You're not right, Mm -hmm. but you can get right. Right. (laughs) You need the grace that is available. Mm -hmm. You don't have it, but you need it. And then 2001, maybe getting a little ahead uh, of myself in this, but in 2001, um, I realized that I needed, I I was not saved and I needed to be saved. And, uh, and so at that point, so we had, you know, I'd proposed to her, I think the Christmas of that year when we found out she was pregnant. Um, I had proposed to her and plans was, you know, it's a five-year plan, right? In my mind, at least. I'm going to work and save up money and, and have this and have that in place before we get married. Right. And that's, you know, that shows just the worldliness of my mentality. Right, right. But when I got saved in 2001, I knew right away yeah. that even though we stopped having sex outside of marriage, because I knew after I, my heart was changed, that was not okay. Right. It still didn't look good to have a baby's mama. And you know, the Bible says that we should stay away from even the appearance of evil. So as I'm testifying of what God has done in my life, and I hear I have you know a, a child outside of wedlock, right. it just it didn't look good. And right. and the Lord was just calling me and calling her to trust Him, yeah. and to scrap our five year plan or whatever plan we had, and to put our trust in Him. And so six months later, after I was saved in two thousand, early part of two thousand and one, we were married. We were getting married yeah. and stepping out in faith in that right. way. Right. Right. Yeah. And and she also went back to school, right? I mean, she graduated from yeah, high yeah, school she, and, and she continued kept, on. Yeah, she kept right on. So a great testimony to so many of the women that we encounter in the in the pro life movement who say that their life stops, like what you, what you felt. Your life stops when you have a baby. Well, that's not <coughs> certainly not easy when we don't follow God's plan, but um, it is possible. Yeah, it is possible. Well, you know, I'd shared <clears throat> when I first found out that she was pregnant. That it was the end of the world for me. Right. And it it really was. Yeah. But that was a good thing, actually. Because mm-hmm. what was my world at that time? Right. It was Daniel in the center and everything else revolved around it. Right. Yeah. And that three-year time period is when the Lord really showed me, this is not about you. Life yeah. is not about you. Yeah. My world came apart, came unraveled. You know, yeah. the partying and all that other stuff, you know, necessarily had to change because I'm a dad now. Right. Right. That didn't immediately change. It wasn't immediately that I... Repented of all that stuff and, and, and you know, became a, uh, the dad that he was calling me to be. It took, again, about three years. And I'm still not, I think, the dad that he's called me to be, although now we have eight children. Our daughter right. from that unplanned pregnancy is 21. <laughs> exactly. She's a blessing from the Lord, and she yeah. comes out and, and comes on the sidewalk in front of the abortion center with us, and I can testify, you know, I've been where you've been, and, and the Lord is faithful, and here our daughter is as a testimony to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my world was over yeah. When I found out my girlfriend was pregnant, and that was a good thing. Yeah, actually. and and so I, I want to piggyback <clears throat> off of that thought because something that I hear often from uh, moms who are um, are abortion minded is is well, God will use the um, the death of my <clears throat> child, the abortion, to bring about 
you know, the changes that are necessary in my life, whatever. Yeah. And so you're not saying, and I, I, I know you're not, I know you well enough, but, um, but I want you maybe to expand on that, that, that having sex outside of marriage led to a pregnancy, which led to your world changing, which led to you finding God. You're not suggesting that, um, that people should go have sex outside of marriage or have an abortion um, <laughs> in order to find God. So do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Could, could you talk about that a little bit? About, um, you know, maybe there's something about that God has used something, but that is that God's plan? Is that right. his desire for your life, the way, the plan that you took? Yeah. Well, so I would say that in the midst of our sin and our sinful decisions. Mm-hmm. Though we can't always know, God does, he knows the end from the beginning, and we can't always know what the results will be, God in his wisdom and his goodness and his mercy can navigate through even our sinful choices to bring about something good, right. you know? Yes. And so though, you know, we can't always explain all of that stuff and all the ins and outs of how God works, and I'm not going to pretend to try to expound on that and get into the permissive will of God and the perfect will of God and all these other things, I'll just say this, we're called to trust the Lord. Mm-hmm. And we're called to do things God's way. Mm-hmm. And when we mess up, like having sex outside of marriage, mm-hmm. like they say, two wrongs don't make a right. Right. A sin does not atone for a previous sin. Right, exactly. So it's never that, you know, God is, it's not God's will for people to have children outside of wedlock. Yeah. I don't believe, you know, however you theologically phrase that, I don't believe it was God's perfect will for that to happen. I will say this, that it was God's perfect will for us to have our daughter. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and she is a right. blessing from the right. Lord. Yeah. Um, but certainly sin um, is destructive. Mm-hmm. But God is a redeemer. And I oftentimes look back at, at my testimony and look back at what the Lord has done in His, in His great mercy, and I marvel. And I think some, sometimes God's working in our lives and how God n- navigates, for lack of a better term, through the stuff and the junk of our lives to bring about redemption is astounding to me. Yes. It, it amazes me, and I think it's, in one sense, it's designed to to. Yeah. to, to have us on our faces before God and say, in the midst of my sin, how you took these sinful choices and decisions. And though God, the Bible says God doesn't tempt anyone with sin. Mm -hmm. God's not the tempter. And yet he's able to use that Mm -hmm. for his glory and for our good. It's, I think, almost uncomprehendable in a sense. So that background and having now this this story of, of, uh, you know, what you went through as as a young adult at the same age of many of the the people that we will encounter who who think that abortion is the answer, does it affect how you then um, operate, for lack of a better word, as a pro-life advocate in, in your interactions with with others, specifically with the moms and the dads who are coming to abortion centers. Yeah, I mean, certainly. Again, I can not not every circumstance, but I can certainly speak from some of the circumstances, mm-hmm. or at least from that perspective, and, and know what it feels like mm-hmm. to be afraid, yeah. to be a young parent. Yeah, and it gives me a burden, really, to speak to those dads and to call them up. You know, I had people calling yeah. me up yeah. as as a young father. Uh, calling me up to do what God has called me to do in the sense that deny yourself and, and put your trust in the Lord. Right. 
And so I can speak from that perspective. I can, you know, also speak to the perspective of the women as well, because me and my wife are, you have a close relationship and, mm-hmm. and we've talked through these things and I kind of, kind of can feel from that perspective of, of a young lady, not entirely, but at least can talk from that perspective yeah. uh, a little bit and, and, and speak really to that, that fear. Yeah. It, it is fear a lot of times that sure. drives people to an abortion sure. center. I agree. So, um, so now, so you're a young family starting out. You get married. You're you've got you know a, a child, and um, what brought you from that moment in your life to being out um, as a very vocal um, pro-life person on the sidewalk of an abortion yeah. center? Yeah, because you know we acknowledge that it is sort of a maybe a weird thing to be in front of an abortion not center. Not many people do it. Not many people yeah. do it. Yeah. Although I think more people should. I agree. But, uh, yeah. Uh, that's a, that's another podcast, I right. guess. Um, so basically, I say the Lord set me up. You know, I, when I first was saved, mm-hmm. I was astounded by the mercy of God, by the goodness of God that He would save a wretch like me. Mm-hmm. And it was in my heart to to. One of the things I prayed when I first got saved was, Lord, don't let me don't let me live long enough to do nothing. Like, mm-hmm. If if I if I am not involved in kingdom work, if I am mm-hmm. an apathetic Christian, just kill me. <laughs> I would rather die right. than be an apathetic, pew-sitting Christian. Right. And so it was always in my heart to be evangelistic, to share the gospel, to seek after the Lord, to, to seek to know Him more, to dig in His Word. It was just in my heart because I'd been a, a false convert and an apathetic right. Christian. I've seen yeah. a lot of apathy in the, Christian, uh, in the Christian realm, and I didn't want to be like that. And so I'd always been sort of evangelistic. Well, not sort of, but really evangelistic, yeah. you know, sharing tracts and sharing the gospel that kind of stuff, and um, and so anyway, you know, I've d- d- done some street preaching and that sort of thing, and and some one-on-one evangelism, and actually, um, early part of our Christian lives, we, uh, me and my wife and our family, we just uh, were seeking after the Lord, and we ended up uh, going to a church in Concord. Mm-hmm. Uh, because my brother went to the school of ministry there. It was Fire Church, okay, yeah. and they have Fire School of Ministry there. And so we were going there, and at that time, there was a, uh, a group that had come and shared about the issue of abortion and the national sin that abortion is. And they had encouraged the church to bring children out to the abortion center. And actually, there were some that were already out there. Flip Benham, who was already out there, is the, the abortion center in South Charlotte here on Hebron Street. And at that time, there was not a big, now, now there's a big fence, and you can't see to the right. front door. Yeah. Uh, but at that time, you could see right to the front door. And so we went, I went as a chaperone to the children's group. So the children were going to come out. My daughter was eight years old at that time. And she was going to come out with, you know, the children's group was going to come out. And they bust them over, and they were just going to sing Jesus Loves Me and, and sing on the microphone to try to touch the hearts of the moms. And I was going as a chaperone. I was just going to make sure the kids were where they needed to be and weren't in any yeah. kind of danger or anything like that. And I say the Lord set me up. Yeah, I had no intention. You know, I knew about abortion. I knew it was wrong. I knew it was was bad, and then it was sinful. But as far as like seeing the issue of abortion, where it took place, I I didn't. I knew it took place, but I didn't know where. I didn't know the magnitude of the problem uh, until I went and I was standing there in front of that abortion center, and I'm seeing a mom go in, and I know she's going in with a baby. Mm -hmm. I see him come out, and I know they came out. They left a a dead child in there. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it's like the Holy Spirit spoke to me. 100 feet from where you're standing, babies are dying. Yeah. Right here, right now, not some other time, not some other place, right here, right now, what are you going to do about it? 
-hmm. and I just broke. I just started bawling. Mm -hmm. And then I found out some of the students from the fire school of ministry were going out to the abortion center here on Latrobe Drive. Mm -hmm. And I went out with them, and there was another brother who was involved with them who lived where I lived at the time. And we rode together, and I just kind of got hooked, I guess you can say. Not that it's fun to be out there, but it is, you know, it's it's in our hearts to serve the Lord. It's it's It, it blesses us to bless our Father. Right. And so I just got involved in that, uh, in that ministry going out on Saturdays. I worked a full-time job doing uh, hardwood floors at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I'd come out on the weekends and I'd bring my family. My kids were pretty much raised in this in this mm-hmm. thing. They're uh, all willing. Your wife and your family is all yeah, willing to come yeah, out. And yeah, and the Lord graciously brought my wife along. And at that time, she was working as a nurse in the hospital. And the Lord graciously kind of, you know, trimmed off her hours. And she started coming out in the, in the capacity as a nurse, actually, on board the, the mobile unit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so here we are today serving the Lord together. Yeah. And then about four years ago, you know, Cities for Life got started in mm-hmm. 2010. Mm-hmm. And we were already involved as a family. Our family was already out there on Saturdays. And uh, when Cities for Life got started, we jumped on board with that uh, right away just as a concerted effort to, to get the church involved. Mm-hmm. And then about four years ago, <clears throat> uh, I got a call. It was 2015. So, about, yeah, about four mm-hmm. years ago, I got, got a call out of the blue from some of the, the folks who had originally started Cities for Life and from David Benham, who was the, he's the founder of Cities for Life, saying basically, hey, we need somebody to, to lead this thing, and we feel like it might be you. Would you pray about it? Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was already pastoring a home congregation and you know working too, uh, and it was just like, well, somebody calls me out of the blue and asks mm-hmm. me if, if I wanted to be paid <laughs> to do the thing that God has put in my heart. Right. Like, well, let me pray about this, but I'm pretty sure this is God. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I, me and my wife talked about it and we prayed about it and felt like it was, it was the Lord's will. So here we are now, um, serving in this capacity and, and blessed to be a part of what God's doing and, and sharing the testimony of what God has done in our lives with those who are, mm-hmm coming to the abortion center right and it and it's been a blessing to all of us because i was already on board as a as a volunteer and i know when when you came things really did change there was now um you know an, an organization a ministry that we belonged to and um and that was had our back yeah and um and so that you know some great things began to happen as a result of you becoming the director of cities for life so um so thank you for that um, is there anything else you want to share about your heart with, um, you know, what maybe you said that there's a lot of Christians that you think are just sitting in a pew and maybe not doing what God has called them to do in terms of the pro-life movement. Do you, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, there is a need, of course, because there's abortion centers and, and, and um these places that <laughs> kill children day in and day out right. all across this, this country. Right. And I, of course, acknowledge, like any, any Christian would, that not everyone can do sidewalk counseling. Mm-hmm. Some folks are called to be missionaries in other countries. Not everyone is, is called. You know, People use that as an out sometimes. I'm not called yeah. to do that. Right. Oftentimes yeah. it's just they're not comfortable doing yeah. it. Yeah. But some people aren't called to do it, mm-hmm. right, maybe. There certainly are, though, a lot more people that are called to do it than are actually doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, it's, it's, it's really, we're not saved to just to go up to heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, we're saved to serve the Lord. Yeah. 
And we serve the Lord out of what he's done for us. We're not out there to earn merit with God. I'm not out there on the sidewalk trying to convince people not to have abortions because I think somehow it'll give me more favor with God and get me a bigger mansion in heaven or make me more saved. You know, you can't be more saved than being actually saved from your sin. We are to function, we are to minister out of our gratitude toward God for what he's done for us. We love him because he first loved us. And so my heart to, to, and, and encouragement to anyone who's a believer is you're called to serve the Lord in whatever capacity that is. And you know what? If you think maybe you, you, you might be called to the sidewalks, mm-hmm. just go out one time. Mm-hmm. That's, I think maybe not everyone is called to be on the sidewalks in front of an abortion center, but I say this. Every Christian should at least go to an abortion clinic one time mm-hmm. and see what goes on there, to see the issue of abortion, where it takes place, and, and to yeah. see it before your face. And let the Lord deal with your heart in that, because it is a national sin. It's, it's, it's a sin issue. It's a spiritual issue. Right. And it's a national thing that we, you know, yeah. as Christians, are to deal with. This yeah. is not politician's job to deal with the issue of abortion. That's right. It's the church's job. Yeah, it's our so, job to deal with the issue of abortion. So not everyone may be called to be on the sidewalk, but is everyone called to proclaim the pro-life um, uh, aspect of, of God and, yeah. of, and of his biblical mandate to, yeah. to protect and proclaim the sanctity of innocent human life? And can you be a Christian and not be pro-life? Yeah. I mean, so kind of back to, I guess I shared maybe in our first podcast, that sort of uh, very basic pro-life argument that mm-hmm. does God love every person? <laughs> does God love you? Mm-hmm. When did he begin to love you? Mm-hmm. If, the, if the fact of what, Bi- what the Bible teaches is in, is in fact true, mm-hmm. that God loves every person and that he began to love us before we were even born, we really don't have an option. That's we right. really don't have an option to say that, you know what, this is not my issue, this is not my deal. Those are, you know, those are some pro-life Christians. I'm, I'm pro-life, but I can't really be involved in that or whatever. A lot of times, again, like with abortion-minded moms and dads going into an abortion center, even Christians can be under a spirit of fear. That's right. <laughs> and and yeah. afraid of what, you know, what the Lord might do mm-hmm. if, they, if they go out to an abortion center. He might actually call them. That was kind of... That's what happened yeah, to me. Yeah, he might actually yeah. call you to be there. Right. And so, you know, my encouragement is just obey the Lord. Yeah. Just trust in the Lord. We're called to trust God. And uh, in, every, in every aspect of our Christian life, we've got to trust in what God's Word says. And what it says, it's true, it's right, no matter what society says, no matter what our comforts say, we are called to do what God's Word says. And God's Word says, uh, on that, that sign right there, Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9, yeah. Open your mouth for the speechless and the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. And so that's our heart as a ministry. Um, we, we hope that this podcast is a blessing to you toward that end. This is not just about us promoting sidewalk counseling ministry. This is about us understanding and trying to convey to you guys that our pro-life convictions should be carried through in light of the gospel, that we are pro-life not because of politics. We are pro-life because of the change that God has wrought in our heart through the power of his gospel. So we, our prayer is that you guys will be blessed and continue to listen to these podcasts. Um, our website locally here is charlotte.citiesforlife.org. A national website that we use to equip and encourage people to get involved with sidewalk counseling is uh, Sidewalks for Life. That's sidewalks4andlife.com. And uh, we, we 
just pray that this podcast, again, has been a blessing to you. Please interact with us. You can go on our website. You can get my contact info. My email address is there. Vicky's email address is there. Uh, the Lord bless you guys as you seek to stand for life wherever the Lord has put you. God bless. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude. I know it will cost me my life. But nothing's too precious since I met you.